Hello again. My name's Andy, and I write children's fiction under the pseudonym A.P. Winter. This week, I want to build on one of the concepts from the previous episode, how to write a children's novel in six steps. I think it makes sense to go through these steps in more detail, starting with the first stage. So for this week, I want to talk about reading books, and specifically about reading as a writer. Appropriately enough, I'll start with a quote from Francine Prose's Reading Like a Writer, a guide for people who love books. The advantage of reading widely, as opposed to trying to formulate a series of general rules, is that we learn there are no general rules, only individual examples to help point you in a direction in which you might want to go. If you've listened to my other podcasts, you might notice that I often don't settle on one answer to something. I'd rather introduce ideas and leave space to think about them. And I think this quote neatly sums up the reason for that. The devices we're exploring aren't rules. They're tools or suggestions that you can use in different ways and are best explored through your own creative experimentation. I mentioned last week that if you want to write a children's book, you should read lots of children's stories and take lessons from them. But how do you start to shift away from reading as a reader, enjoying the books or not, from the way they make you feel, towards reading as a writer, with an aim to gain knowledge and formulate ideas that you can apply to your own work? The first thing I want to address is distinguishing reading as a writer from reviewing books. This isn't to besmirch reviewers or the act of reviewing. It's a separate skill with its own complex considerations, but the mindset of reviewing doesn't really get us any closer to what the writing is up to, or reveal knowledge that we can apply, much beyond the sense of what our first instincts tell us as a reader. Basically, reviews describe the effect of writing in broad terms, and set criteria for whether it has been a success, but don't explore how effects were produced or the choices that the writer is making on a small scale, which is where most of the useful lessons we might take from writing reside. So, if we're not reading simply to enjoy, and we're not setting criteria for whether a book is a success, what are we doing? My suggestion would be to start with lines that move you. We can call these resonances. They often creep in when we're reading passages or phrases that are shaped in a way that makes us feel something, and they often stem from a clear image being presented in a moving way. Have a notebook where you write down quotes from books that you admire, phrases that you like, evocative descriptions, fun lines of dialogue. Being alert for moments that make a book special is a good first step. It helps you see books as something constructed of elements that you can make use of and control, rather than some mysterious and unfathomable force of nature. The next step, passing the writing for useful lessons, is trickier. Just because it often takes a long time and a lot of experimenting, to think about the effects of different choices in our writing. 
It's why books on creative writing, creative writing courses, and writing groups are all useful. They help condense and share knowledge that it could take time to realise on your own. To get you started, I want to touch on just one example of where you might analyse the style of other books and apply those lessons back to your own work. It's a surprisingly important example that's integral to all fiction, but is very easy to overlook when you're starting out as a writer. I want to talk about paragraphs. Francine Prose in Reading Like a Writer offers many useful descriptions of paragraphs, but something that stood out for me was the idea of them being little climaxes of disquiet, and that, by introducing some element of unease, paragraphs make us catch our breath in the final sentence so that we are still a little breathless in the midst of that rhythmic change. Paragraphs aren't afterthoughts in your writing. They aren't something you put in once you've finished typing to make it look presentable to an editor. They're actually a very powerful tool that can help get to the heart of what we're trying to do when writing for children. That's because good writing isn't just about presenting an interesting story or interesting chapters, but a series of interesting breaths, beats, moments, whatever you want to call them, that keep our attention. Paragraphs can also provide a sense of clarity by suggesting an overall topic that each breath is focused on. I'll go into this in more detail another time. I'm long overdue for doing a podcast on action scenes, but essentially paragraphs can help ground a sense of purpose to what is occurring and help pace events too. Obviously, in basic terms, long blocks of text are daunting and make it hard to find a natural pause where we can put down a book or let our thoughts drift and then return to reading without feeling frustrated. Paragraphs make writing palatable, and this has exciting implications for your writing. By always looking for a good time to break for a new breath, and establishing little climaxes or points of interest, as prose suggests, and perhaps interrupting these breaths before they can become dull, you can immediately start to produce more interesting sections. In editing, it can also help to locate where sentences aren't particularly interesting. A lack of paragraph breaks or a lack of new topics being presented with the breath of each paragraph could be an indication that engaging actions, dialogue, and images have walked away for a moment and left the writing to explain things in an uninteresting way. Perhaps most appealingly of all, paragraphs and the breaks in thought that they evoke have the ability to surprise us. By breaking and starting anew, they can present a new notion or image that emerges naturally but perhaps unexpectedly, from what is addressed in the previous paragraph. This is complex stuff to master, but if you take time to look for it in good writing and experiment with it in your work, it will pay off. We'll consider an example. Bear these things in mind, the idea of new images and thoughts being presented clearly, 
of the breath being taken in that pause between paragraphs and perhaps cut off as a new interesting detail emerges. And finally, think of Francine Prose's ideas about the little climaxes of disquiet in each paragraph, as I read this passage from chapter 14 of Treasure Island. Try to listen for where you feel the breaks should occur. I was so pleased at having given the slip to Long John that I began to enjoy myself and look around me with some interest on the strange land that I was in. I had crossed a marshy tract full of willows, bulrushes, and odd, outlandish, swampy trees, and I had now come out upon the skirts of an open piece of undulating, sandy country, about a mile long, dotted with a few pines and a great number of contorted trees, not unlike the oak in growth, but pale in the foliage, like willows. On the far side of the open stood one of the hills, with two quaint, craggy peaks shining vividly in the sun. I now felt for the first time the joy of exploration. The isle was uninhabited, my shipmates I had left behind, and nothing lived in front of me but dumb brutes and fowls. I turned hither and thither among the trees. Here and there were flowering plants unknown to me. Here and there I saw snakes, and one raised its head from a ledge of rock and hissed at me with a noise not unlike the spinning of a top. Little did I suppose that he was a deadly enemy, and that the noise was the famous rattle. Then I came to a long thicket of these oak-like trees, live or evergreen oaks I heard afterwards they should be called, which grew low along the sand like brambles, the boughs curiously twisted, the foliage compact like thatch. The thicket stretched down from the top of one of the sandy knolls, spreading and growing taller as it went, until it reached the margin of the broad, reedy fen, through which the nearest of the little rivers soaked its way into the anchorage. The marsh was steaming in the strong sun, and the outline of the spyglass trembled through the haze. All at once there began to go a sort of bustle among the bulrushes. Did you hear the little climax of disquiet when the snake was described as a deadly enemy, only to then dive as you catch your breath into the next passage of exploration? Did you feel that logical but delightful surprise as we go from the hills shining in the sun to, I now felt for the first time, the joy of exploration? Can you get a sense of how each paragraph deals with a distinct, interesting impression? He's pleased he's given Long John the slip. He's viewing a strange landscape. He's filled with the joy of exploration, but noticing ominous dangers too. He's choosing to go deeper, and finally noticing something disturbing afoot. It all deals with the same thread of action, but each paragraph has changed the angle of thought slightly, guiding our attention to keep things interesting. That's the clearest lesson I would take from this piece if I were reading as a writer, that even when apparently dealing with one overarching idea in a chapter, something as innocuous as exploring a landscape, the small-scale structure is varied and interesting presenting a sense of emotions, 
problems, choices, and threats in a clear way. This is a good thing to aim for in our writing. You can find Treasure Island free to read online through Project Gutenberg, so take the opportunity to look up Chapter 14 afterwards and see if your sense of the breaks fit with Robert Louis Stevenson's. He actually has quite lengthy paragraphs compared to most modern children's fiction, though, so do make sure to check out some more modern examples, too. I think that's enough for this time. I hope your writing or planning is going well, and that you have some good books to read. Project Gutenberg is a great resource if you want to find some classic reading for free, but it's also good to make use of libraries and to support local bookshops when you can. If you find these ideas about paragraphs interesting, you might want to pick up a copy of Francine Prose's Reading Like a Writer, a guide for people who love books. All aspects of this podcast were created by me. I've noticed we've gained a lot of new listeners over the past couple of months. If you found the podcast useful, please give it a good review wherever you find it. It can be as simple as clicking five stars on your iPhone app. It takes a matter of seconds, but it makes an enormous difference to me. Also, share it with your friends and fellow writers when you can. As always, you can reach me via Twitter or my website by searching for AP Winter. I want to continue working through these six steps for writing a children's book in more detail in future installments. I hope you'll join me then. <laughs>